Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to the episode one, 2023 West Bank Bible Church podcast. Thank you for being here. Today I'm with again Pastor Merritt and we'll be completing uh, the Christmas story. More in-depth look when the look back at some interesting stories that have come from that. But before we begin, as is our custom, let's remember 1 John 1, nine, as may or may not be necessary. Thank you, Father, for the uh, chance to name our sin back to you. And use First John one nine, and thus uh, be completely filled with the Spirit and teachable. The last paragraph, as I recall, last lesson was uh, as follows, and then we'll begin new material with uh, the, a continuation of the Christmas story. Our last paragraph was the execution of the day of vengeance of our God when he comfort when he comfort all that mourn must await the second advent when our Lord and Savior returns to deliver his people Israel from total destruction. Most Christians, however, could care less about the difference between the two advents. They are just too busy rewriting the Bible to fit their own personal desires. Open blasphemy seems to be the order of the day. So now let's begin our study today and uh, so I think this Christmas I can't help but wonder how long will the United States of America be blessed of God and yet there have been darker Christmases there was, for example, the trauma of Christmas in the snows of the Ardennes, where we were fighting the Hun, as we like to call them. The news some 63 years ago read something like this, quote, On Christmas Day, Field Marshal Modell launched again another supreme effort against the heroic frozen garrison at Bastogne, only to be thrown back to the Sour River. Frozen men and equipment, many of those having not used a weapon since basic training, were cooks, bakers, supply sergeants, and corpsmen, although greatly undermined, undermanned, 
I better said, under man, but not undermined, but fully aware of their duty to serve many, and many indeed did suffer a frozen death at the hand of a desperate enemy. There was a famous line from the movie Patton, which uh, you may remember when he was asked, how long will it take you to move your army over land some several miles? His answer was less than two days. <laughs> Many thought that was just the old braggart talking himself, but nonetheless, he came pretty darn close. And indeed, we won the Battle of the Bulge. Then there was the frozen Christmas in the mountains of North Korea, fighting the Chinese and North Koreans. Of these gallant men, historians would later write, On 25 December 1950, there were 130,000 enemy reinforcements training in Manchuria from where they occasionally made cross-border attacks. The Air Force begged unrequitedly for permission to attack. Army and Marine Infantry units held the high ground north in law excuse me, north and along the 38th parallel in frozen, bitter mountain redoubts piled high with frozen enemy dead protecting lonely icy foxholes dug in the frost-smitten mountains all along a defensive perimeter. The conditions of each mountain fortress housed men who knew their job was to die for their country with one hand tied behind their back while the other hand gripped a frozen trigger on a mountainside somewhere on a cold and barren Korean hillside. These men knew we had aircraft ready to fly and to bomb the thousands, or I should say hundreds of thousands, of enemy just across the Yalu River. And then there was the Christmas in Vietnam. David, why don't you tell us about that Christmas? Okay. That was in Vietnam from where a returning infantryman wrote of his experience in that foreign land. Many men returned from months of bloody success and failure to find an American public more interested in combing their long hair, smoking pot, and singing, Hell no, we won't go. In contrast, Charles Gadd of the 501st Infantry of the proud 101st Airborne Remember the plane ride home from Vietnam? 
a certain memory continued recycling. He heard over and over again the voice of Chaplain Auten leading the tired and shaking voices in off-key harmony deep in the boonies where men tried to survive the unexpected Tet Offensive. God be with you till we meet again. By his counsel's guide uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. On the cab ride from the airport to his home, he wondered how many of those shaky voices made it. And then he heard the cabbie say, Thanks, kid, and oh yeah, Merry Christmas. Charles Gad grabbed his duffel bag and turned to see his parents rushing from the front door. Hey, Mama. Hey, Daddy. I'm home. Many of Gad's fellow warriors never got to say, Hello, Mama. Hello, Daddy. I'm home. For you see, the freedoms we have today were bought with the blood of good men and not the feckless elected officials who go to Washington as servants of the people only to be mysteriously transformed into lords and masters of the political dance oblivious to the needs of those who chose them. So as we pause to celebrate Christmas, we must ask ourselves a question. Are we taking the time to transform the mind, or are we like the Israel of Hosea's day, dead wood in a forest of national potential? Our job as patriots and royal family of God is to take the Bible doctrine and grow in God's grace in order that God can bless us and by association bless the nation and those within its national boundaries. It is our job to continue that wonderful, long, royal, crimson line of spirit-filled believers full of the word of God who are part of the pivot which sustains our land. Listen to Hosea's warning to Israel and note the reasons for their future discipline. I think it's prudent for us to ask about ourselves, are we helping the cause of our client nation America or are we part of the spinoff which may be assisting in the demise of our once great country? Hosea 4.1 through 4.6 read, Hear the word of the Lord. You children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery are rampant, and murder is commonplace. As the result, the land mourns, and every one that dwells therein shall languish and suffer economic disaster. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because they have rejected knowledge. I will also reject them. Pastor Merritt, what did Ralph Waldo Emerson have to say? David, I'll have to tell you, uh, I have something to say, and I hope it doesn't offend some of those who might be the ones who really didn't care much for fighting for our country. But I think it was Ralph Waldo who hit it on the head because he quotes 
the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would lift me, you must be on higher ground. As I thought about his quotation, though I doubt that Waldo had our Lord in mind, I could not help but think of the truth of this profundity as it relates to the birth and life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Little did Emerson know how close he came to capturing the true meaning of Christmas and the coming of Christ. Only deity could lift fallen man for he and he alone holds the higher ground. Christmas didn't begin in a manger in Bethlehem with the birth of baby Jesus. No, Christ wasn't just a baby, born a king to bring peace. Not just a baby who would profoundly affect our history, but rather Jesus was uncontemplatable deity agreeing to be and to do the unthinkable. Yes, deity shedding his divine essence, the Alpha and Omega, becoming spatially and chronologically limited. Spatial to the extent that Jesus Christ the Son of God agreed to be in one place at one time, occupying a volume of ambient air in the miasma of earth, a spatial captive in an alien kingdom belonging to Satan himself. And so he was born, uttering his last words as Deity in a tribute to the plan of God, totally in compliance with the Father's authority. Hebrews 10, 5, 6, and 7 catch the gist. Wherefore he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, quoting our Lord, Lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Jesus Christ agreed to deprive himself of deity and leave the indescribable, perfect environment of the third heaven. Philippians 2.7 catches the gist, but in contrast to an equality with the other members of the Trinity, he himself became less than divine. In fact, he robbed himself 
of his rightful prerogatives, taking the form of a slave in the likeness of humanity. In the second verse of the twelfth chapter of the book of Hebrews, we are commanded to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, instead of the joy of the third heaven, endured the cross, despising the chain. For the very first time, therefore, Jesus agreed to become limited by physics. Physics! A body of science he invented in eternity past. The all-knowing creator of all things also agreed to learn, to hope, to anticipate, and to wonder if all was well. That is truly a miracle. Omniscience beginning to learn. Omnipresence occupying a volume of space and omnipotence depending on God the Father and God the Holy Spirit for predict excuse me for production. All right, David, why don't you carry on now? By choice Jesus did something. By choice, his very own historical influence became unknown to his omniscience. When he elected not to understand totally the volumes which would later be written of him. The problem, given man in his sinful condition, was how could that which is higher lift that which is lower without hint of compromise or hypocrisy? Mankind must know that God truly understands and there, that there is true divine empathy. So God had to become man. The incarnate Christ understands. Why? Because he has suffered. Hebrews 5.8 Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Edmund Burke said, Example is the school of mankind. Wisdom which last can be learned no other way. So Christ became our divine prototype, taking on the limitations of mankind. Thus was born the divine confluence when deity met mankind on planet Earth, and we call this, in a theological terms, the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union when Jesus the Christ became our divine prototype, and we beheld his glory as of thee only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Because of his exemplar and our encounter with him, we must cherish his words, and if we be wise, we will think on them forever. The Bengal Lancers had a tradition fitting to our context. As they arrayed themselves in preparation for the charge, their officers, with prim British propriety, would step forward and turn to their loyal subalterns and say, Want to join me? Want you join me? And then to the drum roll, 
which was marked battlefields the world over, signaled movement to a line of bright blue jackets and black breeches striped with the red of the Union Jack to claim another jewel for the Commonwealth. Just as the officers of the Union Jack, our Lord, in his own way, has said, Want you follow me in the way which thou shouldest go? Want to join me? Jesus said, I will lead, and though the road be rough, and the way be full of demonic ambush, I will show you the way. Want to join me? The first Christmas was simply a step in the plan of redemption, completed by the Creator of all things. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, For by Him were all things created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Job 1.1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When God emphasizes a point, which he certainly has done in these verses, there is a reason, and no doubt God wants us to know, that Christ has always been, and even today is. Christ waits from heaven where he serves as our ultimate mediator. Won't you accept him today as your Savior? As many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God even to them who believe on his name. That's a great lesson. Pastor Murray put that together many years ago. And many years ago, David, instead of saying Job 1, 1, I'm not sure you said that, but just in case you did, mm -hmm. that's John. John himself who wrote the gospel. Well, I'm going to the eye doctor on the 20th of this month. <laughs> to get an eye exam, because I, I, looking back over there, I can see it now. That does say John. Well, and he sent me to the eye doctor, and I've got a new pair of glasses. <laughs> I'm right behind glasses you. On. And uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Then down there on verse 4 it says, What happened? And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then as we close, as many as do that, God gave the power to become the sons of God. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful for the privilege of being able to have opportunity to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. 
And just as the scripture says and begins in the book of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh, dropping down to verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and truth. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we are privileged. We are honored to be able to come to you and the old Satan has struck us in many ways. Uh, as Christ might say if he were sitting here with us, takes more than that. Thank you, man. Now you have opportunity to close and tell about it. Join the family. Anyone within the sound of our voice or beyond, at this time, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a done deal. We thank you for listening today. We wish you a wonderful new year. I uh, hope many great things are in store for us. I hope our country has some good things in store for it. It's uh, like we're still waiting, maybe waiting a while, but it's part of the plan. But until next time, so long.